Hello, I'm Mariet Sneeman. Welcome to Calm, Clear and Helpful, the weekly podcast series on how to take good care of yourself and others. Today we're focusing on women and sexually transmitted infections dealing with stigma and shame. My guest is Dr. Jeray Sarfontein, medical doctor, sexologist and clinical head of My Sexual Health Pretoria. Hello Jeray and thanks for your time. Hello Marie, thank you for having me. To our listeners, after our conversation, Jeray will give us her three best tips on having safe sex. And then it will be fun question time. Jeray, I know you believe everyone deserves a healthy love life. Could you please tell us how you see this? So firstly, I think if people think about a love life, it's and in context of this whole podcast on safe sex and sexual transmitted infections, I want to talk about what is sexual health. And if we understand what normal sexual health is, then I think that is what a healthy love life should be all about. And the World Health Organization defines sexual health as a state of physical, mental and social well-being in relation to sexual health. So it means that um, it mentally, socially and physically you need to be healthy, sexually healthy. And physical side of things means that we want free of infection, free of coercion and free of discrimination. So I think if we understand what a normal and healthy sex life is then that I think is important to apply to a love life. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Now today we're looking at STIs which were formerly called STDs. Could you tell us what these are? So a sexual transmitted infection, the STIs stand for sexual transmitted infection and an STD is for sexual transmitted disease. So in the past we spoke about STDs in the sense of the disease process but we are moving away from that focusing on the sexual transmitted infection because the reason for that is uh, infection can be totally asymptomatic. So someone can still have an STI, have the infection without having a STD, the disease. So we want to focus on the organism causing the infection because if you've got an infection you can transmit it to someone else and that person can develop the disease process. So a sexual transmitted infection is an infection that you get through unprotected sex and that is not only sex in the term in the context that we traditionally think of sex as penetrative sex. Some infections can be with intimate contact, genital skin to skin touching, oral sex so it's not only penetrative sex so any sexual contact could potentially lead to certain sexual transmitted infections which conditions are the most common and could you talk also talk about these symptoms so um there's different ways we can classify sexual transmitted infections we can either focus on the biology of the things and break it down into the different organisms bacterial viral etc or we can look at what the symptoms are and what it can result into i prefer to stick to bacterial infections viral infections so if we look at the bacterial infections the most common infections that we see there are things like syphilis and although it's a old disease and people when they think about syphilis it's like okay no it's 
ancient we don't see it anymore we see a lot of syphilis so syphilis um, chlamydia gonorrhea trichomoniasis that's the common bacterial infections that we see then the viral infections are things like hiv hepatitis and it's hepatitis a b and c that we are worried about herpes virus human papilloma virus um, i think that's all the viral infections that i can think of quickly but when we look at what the symptoms are, we can then classify it into clusters. So, for instance, a lady with an abnormal discharge, that could be because of chlamydia, gonorrhea, um, trichomoniasis. There's certain clusters of infections that can result in certain symptoms. So, sympt common symptoms that we see are abnormal discharges. Um, so, she will see this on her panty, for instance. Yes, and it's important to distinguish what a normal discharge also is, because um, we'll get to that later, the fear. But women have a normal discharge, but an abnormal discharge is often associated with a burning sensation, an itching sensation, or a foul smell, or if it just looks different compared to what your normal discharge looks like. Um, burning urine is also a symptom that we can see with certain bacterial infections. Um, then there's a lot of infections that can cause ulcers, genital ulcers, and the infections that cause genital ulcers are things like um, syphilis initially presents with an ulcer and herpes virus causes ulcers, and any lump or bump, it could be a growth on the genital area, and that could be related um, to human papillomavirus that results in genital warts, for instance. So you would see that? That you'll see, yes. Any other uh, signs or symptoms? So, um, I think when we think about HIV, for instance, people um, read up on the common symptoms that they see after HIV, and that's things like lymph node swelling, um, fever, weight loss. But most people with HIV specifically, with the time after infection, it's mild flu-like symptoms. So, most people, they don't even realize it. And then we... We don't test and we don't think about worrying about it and then a routine HIV test gets done later on and then it's difficult to identify exactly when it was. But there's certain telltale signs, telltale signs that's highly suspicious of sexual transmitted infections. There's a lot of non-specific symptoms and for instance syphilis, they talk about syphilis as the great mimicker because it mimics a lot of other conditions. And um, a lot of these things can be totally asymptomatic. So that's quite scary. <laughs> yes, it's scary because now you have no idea whether something is going on that you should pay yeah. attention yeah, to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It makes me think of COVID-19 when you say that you can be asymptomatic, but you can transfer the disease to someone. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So my next question is what you... What you should do if you notice any symptoms, but I realize the question is too narrow, actually. Yeah. So what does one do? How does one approach this? I think the first thing is if you think you might um, been in contact with, um, with a sexual transmitted infection or you might have been exposed, then see a doctor immediately because some of these infections can be prevented by taking antibiotics initially. So if it's a bacterial infection, we can take antibiotics and prevent infection. 
But if you suspect that you might have something, go talk to a doctor and get tested or talk about the exposure you had or the risks involved. Um, yeah, because like I mentioned, a lot of things can be totally asymptomatic. So to wait till you have a specific symptom might be sometimes too late. But if you notice something and if you're worried, don't feel ashamed of it. Go speak to someone and get it sorted out. I think most people are afraid of going to a healthcare practitioner um, because they may feel judged. So how does one overcome the fear of doing that? I think the first thing is get a doctor that you're comfortable with and that you really trust. Interesting, a lot of my patients, they've got a general practitioner or family doctor that they've got a really good relationship with, but they don't want to go to that person because it's just too awkward. It's this old woman that's been my doctor since I was three years old, and now I have to tell him I think I've got syphilis. It's, it doesn't just, it's uncomfortable. But get someone that you are comfortable with. And if you are not comfortable with your regular doctor, look for someone that really has got experience in sexual transmitted infections because it's a very narrow field if you think about it. So, first thing is get someone you trust. Um, the second thing is, I think break the stigma yourself. If you can learn yourself and teach yourself and get comfortable with sex is normal, people have sex, it's injuries of the game. So if you have sex, you put yourself at risk of sexual transmitted infections. It's not about promiscuity or being around the block or anything like that. Unfortunately, if you have sex, you're at risk of sexual transmitted infections. So break the stigma yourself. If you're comfortable and you don't judge yourself, it's going to be easier to go and get some help. Yes, and of course, if the practitioner, as you say, is focused on sexual health, then this person has probably seen everything. Exactly. And is used to dealing with it like you mm -hmm. are. I was wondering if a visit to a healthcare practitioner is always completely confidential. Yes. It should be. So I hope it is, but it should definitely be. So you've mentioned that one should find a doctor. Um, I know many people probably would Google. Would they Google sexual uh, health care practitioner or what should they do if they're not comfortable going to somebody they know? Yes, so you can definitely um, Google sexual health doctor or SDI testing, um, but we'll get to the testing I think a bit later, but if you Google, it, it should, if you add sexual health to the Google search, it should definitely narrow it to someone that's quite experienced in the field. Mm. And of course the My Sexual Health website, which we will give later, I suppose there will also be some information definitely, definitely. Yeah, to get you going. Uh, Jeray, how are SDIs diagnosed? So it depends on what conditions we are looking at and what infections. So people, for instance, and that's why I said we'll talk about it now, um, if you Google STIs, a lot of websites will come up with self-testing or you can just do home tests and they send you this whole package and all-inclusive tests and that could be quite costly and it is not always the correct things that we need to do. Certain infections we can test and diagnose through blood tests. Certain things we um, can only diagnose through taking a swab or a urine test. But in principle, the, the things that can cause abnormal discharges or infection inside the vagina or on the cervix itself, it's better to take a swab inside the vagina. And by that, we test for the genetic material 
of the bacterial infections. So it's very sensitive and specific to pick up an infection. Then the blood test can be done for things like HIV, hepatitis, um, and syphilis, for instance. So it's better to talk to someone that knows what test to do so that you, can, you don't waste money and do the right thing from the get-go. Yeah, and you don't have to stress for a longer time than you exactly. need to. Mm-hmm. How costly are the tests that may be required? It can be quite costly if you, um, for instance, the I had a patient the other day that did the online test and got the whole package deal, and that test cost him more than six thousand rand. So it was, yeah, I think between seven around that, and it's bizarre. So the blood tests for HIV, hepatitis, and syphilis is not that expensive, but if we look at the test for the genetic material, the things that we do on the vaginal swab. That could be about 1,500 rand for that swap. But you can definitely get away by, if you talk to someone that knows sexual transmitted infections and take a proper history, what's the risk, what was the contact, then we don't have to test for everything under the sun. Then we can really focus on what's the symptoms that you're experiencing, what was the contact, and certain infections, for instance, bacterial things, we don't have to test for it. We can treat it totally syndromically. So if you present with an abnormal discharge and we don't want to pay 2,000 rand to test for everything, we just give you the antibiotics and treat you as if you've got a sexual transmitted infection. Yeah, so the practitioner's experience, I would say, um, can stand you in good stead. Definitely, definitely. Now, waiting for those test results, I'm sure is difficult for a patient. Yes, I've, I've had patients that um, send emails every hour to find <laughs> out, do you have my results, do you have my results? Because I think if you're worried about something and it's something that's so stigmatized, then you really struggle to settle down about it. But I think the most important thing is, as a, a doctor, what I focus on is really to counsel my patients. And if there's a health provider that's listening to the podcast, I want to urge you to understand the difficulties a patient experience with this and try to calm them down and guide them through it. And if, as a patient, if you understand, educate yourself and know how long the test could take, then just take a breather and just wait for the results. If the diagnosis is positive, does it mean this is a catastrophe in terms of your health? No, not at all. So most sexual transmitted infections is treatable. Um, Certain things are not treatable, but it's manageable. So nothing should really have long-term side effects and consequences if you pick it up. So for instance, if you think about HIV, and I think that's the most common fear that I see in my practice, is that it's going to change my life and it's a catastrophe and this is it. But HIV can be managed with fantastic antiretroviral medication. So it's a totally manageable thing. And if we treat the HIV, your life expectancy is the same as someone that's not infected with HIV. And the bacterial things like the chlamydia, the gonorrhea, it's treatable with single dose of antibiotics. And if you pick it up before um, it causes long-term problems, then there's no complications. So it's definitely not a catastrophe. Yeah, this is good news. And does a positive diagnosis mean the end of your love life? No. Um, I think it depends on which sexual transmitted infection you have. If it's something that's treatable, understand that you take the antibiotics for the bacterial infections, 
and the infection gets cleared and you just focus on being safe in the future or protecting yourself or your partner going forward. But if it's something that's a chronic infection, things for instance like herpes virus, um, HIV, hepatitis, that's often a concern for the patients because exactly that's what they think now. I've got the sexual transmitted infection. It's part of me for the rest of my life. So I can never be in a relationship again. But again, educate yourself. Like I mentioned with the HIV, if you're on treatment, your life expectancy is normal. And the other thing is, specifically with HIV, is the medication suppresses the virus. So we treat up to a point where we talk about an undetectable viral load. That means that there's no HIV virus inside your blood. And if the viral load is undetectable, it's untransmittable. The virus is not there to transmit to someone else. So in that way, you can have a normal love life. You can have children because you cannot transmit the HIV virus to someone else. The other things, for instance, um, that I'm just thinking of top of my head that's chronic is herpes virus. And not everyone gets repeated outbreaks. And I think the most thing there is to communicate to your partner. So if you start a new relationship, find out where this, this person has been. Has this person been exposed to certain infections? Get tested together. If you, for instance, have herpes virus, talk to your partner about it. You can take suppressive medication also to suppress the herpes virus to also decrease the risk of transmission. But I think communication is very important. Uh, does your partner always need to get treated? Um, yes and no. So it can go both ways. So if your partner is not going to test, then we say just treat prophylactically. So if there's, if you get diagnosed with chlamydia, for instance, that's quite common amongst women, um, and your partner is not willing to test, rather just take double or dose of the antibiotics and give one dose to your partner and make sure your partner's covered as well. But if your partner is going to test and it comes back negative, then obviously your partner doesn't have to take the treatment. And how do you talk to your sexual partner if you've had a positive diagnosis? I think that's very difficult. When I saw this question, I was thinking how I can answer this um, easily because it depends on how the relationship is. If you've got a good relationship and an open relationship and you've got good communicating skills, then it's quite easy to sit down and say, I got recently diagnosed with this infection and um, I want you to help me through this or what's your thoughts on this? Maybe you should get tested. But if your relationship is on a shaky place, then it's going to be quite difficult to negotiate a sexual transmitted infection. And it also depends on where you are in the relationship. If it's a new relationship, I think it's quite easy because then one can say, let's get tested together and um, I've got this result, you don't have it and I'm going to take the treatment and it's fine. But I think it's, it's very difficult and I don't have a clear answer, but I think if just be patient and understand the emotions going both sides, both ways in the relationship. Yes, and the trouble is that many people are under good conditions they're not comfortable speaking about exactly it. so it, yeah it's it's really difficult but um i think what you're saying 
you are giving us some advice and also I suppose if you go and have yourself tested it's, it would be a good idea to talk mm. to the doctor about this problem yes. and maybe they could tell you in the specific circumstances how to approach What I often also do is if there's a positive result coming in and it's not straightforward in the sense of just take antibiotics and it's a bacterial infection it should be cleared after that I ask my patients to follow up with their partner because I think the more information you have on the specific infection, then you can almost take a breather and say, okay, it's not as bad as I thought, and this is what we can do about it. So I often see the couples together just to give information because the more information you have and the more educated you are, the more relaxed you tend to be. Yes, and I also think if the other partner comes along to the health practitioner, they're speaking to a professional person, mm. and that should also help them understand better. And my following question is difficult. What do you do if you suspect you got the infection from someone who is not your primary partner? Yeah, so um, that is quite a difficult dilemma. And I think you've got a responsibility towards your primary partner. And if you've got an infection, you're putting that person at risk. And it depends on what infection you have. So I must say, out of experience, what I've seen in my practice, and this is something that comes along a lot, is that most of my patients get to a point where they communicate it to their partner and say, listen, we don't have an open relationship and I had a different partner and I got exposed to this and this is what's going on and obviously that opens a whole bag of worms but it's your responsibility to look after the health of your partner if you're not using condoms but if it's something for instance that's um, treatable then you can try to get treatment and then negotiate your, with your partner to get tested um, just randomly if you can get it to that point but it depends on what infection it is what's the long-term consequences but I think it's you owe your partner the truth yeah and once again I'm sure if you have a, a sexual health practitioner that is helping you that that person could give you some support yes now you wanted to talk about what you call STI phobia Yes, so that is something I see every day in my practice and um, I haven't actually Googled it, so I'm sure there's other people that came across the same term, so I am definitely not taking it as my own. But what I often see is that if you have unprotected sex with a new partner or if you're in a committed relationship and unfortunately got to a point where you cheated on your partner and you put yourself at risk then there's so much shame and guilt and you're so worried about an infection and what's the consequences should you have something and what if you transmit it to your partner that you start looking at yourself with a magnifying glass so you have a normal discharge you've always had a normal discharge but now the color is slightly different and now you are totally freaking out and you are convinced that this is a sexual transmitted infection then you rush to the doctor and um, I talk to you about everything I give you the information um, we get tested and everything comes back negative but you still have the discharge now you can't wrap your head around I don't have an infection because you are so focused on this discharge or you've got an ingrown hair and it looks like a lump or a bump and you think it's a genital wart 
and then you really run away with it. So STI phobia for me is that you've been exposed to something or potentially been exposed because you had a new partner or different partner and your mind literally runs away with you. And for that, I just want to urge everyone to take a breather. If the results come back as negative or you got treated, relax. It's, it's sorted out. Don't focus on every symptom or any, everything that your body is experiencing and think it might be related to a sexual transmitted infection. Yeah, I suppose the internet doesn't help under those not, circumstances. Not at all. And I think um, for HIV, for instance, if you Google sore throat HIV, Google is designed to put things together. Now you've got a sore throat, you had a contact, and now you Google HIV sore throat, and you get the whole list of why HIV causes a sore throat, and now you're convinced you've got HIV. But there's a million other things that can cause a sore throat. So... If the results come back negative, don't keep testing because that just just puts petrol on the fire and just makes you keep think that you've got something, that you need to retest and retest and retest. If it comes back as negative, relax, it's negative, you're okay. That's another reason why you should trust the doctor you see. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. I was wondering how a parent can talk to a teenager or young adult child about SDIs and the shame attached to them. I think the first thing is talk to your children about sex from an early age and age-appropriate sex education. So there's no point in talking to your teenage daughter about all the um, weird and wonderful STIs if you've never had a conversation about normal sex. So children should be comfortable having a conversation with their parents about sex and start early with age-appropriate sex education. Don't trust the schools to do it. Take responsibility for yourself. And then I think break the stigma. So talk to your daughter or your son. Say, okay, sex is part of normal life. People have sex. And part of sex, we've got sexual transmitted infections. And there's no shame in it. So talk to mom or talk to dad so that we can take you to a doctor. I think destigmatize it yourself as a parent and then it's easier to talk to your children about it. Yes, what, what I gained from our conversation is that trust really goes hand in hand with being sexually active. Definitely. You have to trust yourself, you have to trust your partner, you have to trust your, well, if you have a good relationship with your parent or your child, there has to be some mm. trust and then with your doctor. Yes, definitely. I think I saw on the My Sexual Health website that there was information on talking to children about sexual health. So on the My Sexual Health, um, well, it's not on the My Sexual Health website, but you'll get to it from that. Um, Dr. Elna Rudolph started a sexology course platform where there's online courses or information and there's once a month free webinars. And one of those webinars were on talking to children about sex and how to be age appropriate and how to talk about coercion and setting boundaries and safe sex and all of that. So there's a lot of information on the My Sexual Health site on the webinars and there's blogs available as well. So yeah, there's a lot of information out there. Where can people learn more about the work you do? I know it's the My Sexual Health website. 
Yes, and then I've got my own website, Dr. Jerry Sarfontaine, um, that's also got all the blogs and information that I wrote myself. I try to be active on social media to give information there on Instagram and Facebook, and it's just Dr. Jerry Sarfontaine. Yeah, so it's social media and websites. I promise to give the address of the My Sexual Health website. It's www.mysexualhealth.co.za. Yes. And you are Dr. Jeray, J-I-R-E-H, sarfontaine.co.za. Yes. But I will also link these two websites to this podcast. And now, Jeray, your three best tips on having safe sex. So I think I um, sound like something that's getting stuck because I talk about communication all the time. But I think the first thing is communicate to your partners. To have safe sex is to know this background and be open about it. So communication is very important. And safety first. So always negotiate condom use. And if you're not comfortable with um, your partner's explanation of why he or she doesn't want to use a condom, you take control. And the third thing is you can change your mind. So if you're in a situation where you initially gave consent and you changed your mind, it's okay. Don't be coerced into something. If you initially said yes, you can change your mind and you can withdraw and make sure that you are safe. Thank you. And now for your fun question. <laughs> I know you love canoeing. If you could choose any place on earth to go canoeing right now, no matter where, which place would you choose? I think I'll go for Maldives. Um, it's been on my bucket list forever. So the water is so clear just to get a sea kayak and go out on that open water and just literally see the bottom of the ocean underneath you. That would be fantastic. Oh, that just gives me all sorts of wonderful pictures in my, <laughs> my mind. Thank you, Jeray, for your expertise. Thank you, Marie. And to our listeners, thank you for listening. If you found this helpful, please share it with someone you care about. If you'd like a more fulfilling relationship with your beloved, if you wish parenting could be easier, or if you're interested in upping your emotional well-being, you're welcome to visit my website, mariettesneyman.co.za, for free articles and podcast episodes. Calm, Clear and Helpful is compiled, hosted and edited by me, and the music is by Mark Marie Sneeman. Catch you next Tuesday at 9 